Hello, everyone. <coughs> Hello, soldiers, and welcome to this military combat review. Our war with the Klingons does not go well, and <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> so, sorry about that. Welcome back to the Hit or Miss Star Trek podcast. It's all good. Tasha Yar went and killed herself, so we're back to the original timeline now. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> that was just a, a little wee skit to give you a hint of which episode. Not gonna, lie, not gonna lie, when we rewatched the episode at the end, when Guinan says, "I think it's to Jordy," she just goes, "Tell me about Tasha Yar." I also, I was really hoping he just turned and went, "Oh, that bitch." <laughs> I didn't really know it. I was really expecting Jordy to turn around and go, "Who? <laughs> uh, Why are you asking me?" Exactly. No, well, sorry about the little distraction, everyone. But yes, welcome back to the Hit or Miss Star Trek podcast on YouTube and now on Spotify. You can check us out there at uh, Hit or Miss Star Trek. I wonder which podcast you may have taken after putting yourself on Spotify there, Mike. Uh, it was actually Will's idea, my friend Will Templar, who helps me with all that kind of thing. So blame well, him. Well, well, we we both we beat you both to it. So uh. that's no surprise. <laughs> that does not shock me one little bit. But uh, yeah, welcome back. As I say, you can find us on Spotify now. I'll put a link in the description. But if you are joining us, you probably know how things are by now. I'm never on my own, and just like last week, I'm joined by two guests this week. Uh, two Ooh, guests. Double who, the trouble. It's double the threesome this week. <laughs> two guests who, uh, in this case, are two people who have become really good friends of mine and who I've become a huge fan of, courtesy of the We Pay for Your Floor podcast, which you can catch on the YouTube channel. Uh, I recommend it. Uh, so and why Spotify. don't you. Uh, don't and Spotify. Spotify. And Spotify. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll link it all in the descriptions. But uh, yeah, <laughs> why, why not introduce yourselves, you two ruffians? Let's go. Go on, Chocolate Slot. You can go first. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Phil, and I am the long-suffering other half of the mouthy one. That's <laughs> Phil. Fair enough. And uh, would you like to introduce yourself, Andy? Hello. My name's Andy. <laughs> ah, there we go. Uh, I, I'm, I'm one other third of We Pay For Your Floor, and also uh, Phil's partner of over seven and a half years now, Jesus Christ, how's it been that long? Yes, well, um, yeah. so yeah, as, as I say, if you've been following me for a while, you probably know Andy and probably Phil from some of our previous kind of Doctor Who uh, review podcasts. So this is a bit of a reunion, but, uh, you know, Yay! as I said, they've, they've started their own podcast as well, and it's very good. So before I go any further, Andy, Phil, how's your ceiling? <laughs> yes! Oh. <laughs> it's, it's getting some damp patches. I'm a little bit worried. I'll tell you how. I'll tell you how our ceiling is. Unable to do basic mathematical calculations. <laughs> what the heck? What, what does that even mean? It can't tell the difference between uh, horizontal and vertical either. Sometimes it's oh. just a sheer drop. It's it's very unnerving. Yes, yeah. You're referring to the person on the other side of the ceiling now. With uh... can't even count to three. I'm not going to insult her because she's not here to defend herself, and I think she thinks I dislike her for some reason, so no. No, 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 she doesn't, she doesn't, she knows she don't. It was just, she's kind of had an unrunning, like, joke, grudge against you since my birthday one, when you said you'd been killed, and then right at the end said Sarah did it, by the way. 
<laughs> enough of this nonsense we're here to talk about star trek <laughs> but, uh, yeah so if uh, if you haven't been joining me um well go back and watch the previous episodes if you want to know what the format is but just in case um this section blah, this podcast sorry does break down into sections uh, the first one is the section that is basically just a getting to know you type thing uh, where i'll ask questions to in this case andy and phil uh, the second question is the hit or miss section which you may be familiar with from our doctor who days where i just throw out random trek things and ask uh, andy and phil if they think it's a hit or a miss and then see who uh, who agrees with me basically uh, and then uh, we'll get into the episode review following that which is obviously uh, in case you haven't already guessed from all of the many many hints is going to be yesterday's enterprise from next gen uh, and then we'll end it with the usual genes, vision, and audience interaction sections. So, uh, yeah, if uh, if there's nothing else, then without any further ado, I'll move us to section uh, number one. Uh, I will just say before we get into everything, obviously you are aware of this, but just for the audience to say, um, I haven't seen that much Trek in the grand scheme of things. Phil has seen way more than I have, and he's like yeah. slowly working me through it. So yes. it, a lot of this is going to be Phil and Mike sort of bantering and me just in the back, just probably laughing at some silly thing that's <laughs> either come to my mind or being said that I've taken the wrong way. Yeah, I should have I should have said that at the start. Yeah, to be perfectly honest, I know you've been working through Next Generation, so the hit or miss section is basically almost entirely Next Generation stuff. Oh, that's all um, right then. And if anyone's curious, that's why. It's because I know that's the one that Andy's seen. Uh, no, anyway, we will, uh, we'll go into section number one then. Uh, which is the section that I call Healing Frequencies Open. Uh, and that is the section which is basically, I always ask, and this is going to be very brief for Andy, I suspect, because uh, we probably know the answer, but it's basically where I ask, what was it that first got you interested in Star Trek? Uh, what was it that started you watching and thinking, oh, this is something I want to watch more of? And can you remember what the first episode is that you watched? And uh, um, since, uh, yeah, Andy, we'll go with you first, since you know the answer. So, well, actually, I remember seeing, like, a few like some episodes growing up because like my mom and dad like star trek you know they've watched i'm pretty sure they've watched through all of them like over the course of you know the years so i've seen like odd episodes with them uh, yeah. and i've never disliked star trek uh but i only really sort of started kind of getting into it once i met phil and he started getting me to watch it uh a while ago uh, the first episode i remember actively watched. i can't even remember what it's titled i'm not gonna lie um <laughs> But the first part that made me sort of start paying proper attention was me mishearing something. In, <laughs> it was an episode of TNG, I know, because like, it was Diana Troy. And they'd just been teleported. I don't know where to. I think it was to another ship. But they'd been teleported. And the... Um, uh, is it called a tractor beam? I can't remember what they call it in Star Trek. The, the, the teleporting... I'm gonna the transporter. The transporter. Yeah, <laughs> it was like it was like very slightly off by like a few meters. Uh, so like they come down and then it goes back up and then they come back down again where they were meant to be. And the first thing Deanna Troy says when they first come back down is, "Oh, I thought I was gonna. I, I thought I was stuck in that wall, but I heard. Oh, for a minute I was fucking that wall." <laughs> <laughs> and after that, after that sort of like mishearing, I was like, I'm listening, go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I think that episode was Justice from Series 1 of TNG. Oh, okay. Wow, well remembered, Phil. Oh. So, uh, yeah, so as you're the expert then, Phil, can you remember your first exposure and what your first episode was? Um, My first exposure was probably the original series. Oh, nice. Um, my My dad was a big fan of that. 
Um, but particularly seeing episodes like on reruns on Channel 4 uh, back mm. in the 90s. Um, but the first block that I really remember is watching Next Gen uh, mm. a lot as I was growing up. And it was Chain of Command that was the one that always sticks out to me, probably because it's it's such a you know, a well renowned, well revered, it's fantastic, uh, yeah, sort of sequence of stories. But just for some reason, seeing Jean Luc Picard going through all of that, uh, I'm not going to say too much because Andy hasn't gotten to it yet. Ah. Uh, but that's um, that's one that really stuck out to me. And then I sort of started working my way back through the movies and everything from there, and eventually trying to branch off to DS9 and uh, Voyager when they came along as well, which was cool. Okay, awesome. I have, I have seen some Voyager, I will just say. I have seen some Voyager and I thought Janeway. Okay, awesome. Well, that's, uh, yeah, okay. Fair enough. I already did her on the hit and miss section. I put her on the hit and miss section, I should say, last week. Um, so we, we can't do it again. But yeah, but was, she, was she a hit? That's the main oh, thing. She was a massive hit with all three of us on the Oh, podcast. good, absolutely. As deserved. <laughs> Well, if uh, you're a fan of Captain Janeway, will you be watching Star Trek Prodigy when it launches in a in a couple of weeks, Andy? Wait, what? What is that? Star Trek. <laughs> There's a new Star Trek animated series that's um it's it's aimed at kids, so it's co-made by Nickelodeon, but it's you know uh, it doesn't mean adults can't watch it. And um, oh, one, of the, okay. one of the lead characters is a hologram of Captain Janeway, who's yeah, taking these kind of kids up. through. Oh, you're looking good at that. <laughs> okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, so yeah, as a Janeway fan, you should probably uh, give that a watch and see what it's like. I'm just trying to get everybody to watch more Star Trek, but anyway, enough of this. There's nothing wrong with us. It's like a cult. <laughs> with Whatever. me, it is. Yes. Yeah. Have you no, heard anything about our Lord and Savior, John Picard? <laughs> Everyone will be assimilated. Yeah, so the next part of this section would be I would normally ask, and again, this is probably going to be difficult, Andy, you may have to give descriptions rather than titles, uh, but I always ask if you had to pick three episodes that you think exemplified the best of Star Trek or that you would show to somebody who's completely new to Trek to show what the best sort of example of what it could be, what would those three episodes be? Uh, and again, Andy, we'll start with you because you'll probably have to describe them. I'm trying to even think of the best ones that I've seen. Um... I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't really want to spoil the review for later, but I'd absolutely put the episode we're going to be talking about up there. Fair enough. I, I, of the ones that I have seen, this is one. I mean, this is why you picked this one for us to do because mm. you wanted us on, and you heard that I really liked this one. But yeah, I remember when we, we first watched. Yeah. yeah, when we first watched this one, I was absolutely blown away. I was like, "Wow, that was really good." Um, <laughs> and then. I, again, I'm trying to think. Usually, episodes with O are like really good. Is it O? Q. Am I getting that wrong? Q. Q. I, I, I knew it was a letter, and I was like, "Is is it O? Is it Q? Which one is it?" And then I was I, like, I, I, I thought I went with O, and then I realized that's the master's code name for series twelve, and now I look like an absolute pillar. It's I can understand why you were confused with that one, though, because we've been watching a lot of James Bond-related stuff recently, and mm. yes. obviously Q's been mentioned a lot in there, so. I'll let that one slide. Yeah, I mean, I mean, with all the episodes with Q tend to be really good. From from the ones that I've seen, they've always tended to be really good. So is that? Um, have you seen the the next gen DS9 and Voyager Q episodes, or are you just on the next gen one so far? Uh, just in the next gen one so far. Oh, the ones nice. that I've been up to anyway. Well, to be fair, he made one appearance on DS9, but there was a good few Voyager ones, and they're all pretty good as well. I've heard DS9. I, I've heard I should watch DS9. I've heard DS9 is really, really good. That it's seems, one of those, yeah. It I, seems I, to be like a divisive one, but most people I know seem to really like it. 
it's one of those things because because it's so involved those that really dedicate the time to it come away loving it but it's not what i would recommend as a kind of starting point or as a casual view because you really have to watch it like all seven years in order back to back it's one contained story so yeah um yeah it's it's not like for example next generation where i could give you like a list of five episodes from completely different seasons and you wouldn't be lost with any yeah, of them <laughs> next generations is kind of and i don't like to use this term but it's kind of very much formulaic in the way that yeah. like uh maybe not this upcoming series but a lot of doctor who's where it's kind of like story of the week whereas yeah like yeah, from, I mean, from what you just said uh, ds9 is like it's a non-running story throughout it is. I mean, characters get to grow and things do develop in Next Generation, but not to the point where it would be unrecognisable uh, from week to week, you know. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. So you're going to go there. You're going to go with yesterday's Enterprise and uh, just a couple of cute episodes. Maybe. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I feel like I'm a right. bad guest now. No, not at all. Not at all. I feel I'm really intrigued to know what your three would be and if they'd include Chain of Command or not. Oh, uh, one that always pops to mind is uh, The Measure of a Man. Nice. That's come up before. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure I've shown you that one, Andy. It's the one where they're uh, sort of debating over the, uh, the, the the morality or the ethics of whether data can be classed as a living sentient yes! being. Yes, yes, that one was really good. Yes, I really liked that one. I remember that one. Awesome. Yeah. Just the, the speech from Picard um, during that trial. Is just out of curiosity, just because it's a random episode that I've just remembered exists. Um. I could, and I don't know what the consensus is on whether people think it's a good episode or not. Um, what, Mike, I can't remember the title of the episode, but the one where Data has a daughter. Oh, we mentioned that a lot. Yes, The Offspring, one of my absolute favourites. This came up because it was on the, um, I put Lal on the hit or miss section a few weeks ago, uh, and it's related to what's happening in Picard. So it was the Picard, Picard episode. Yeah, so yeah, I love that episode. It breaks my heart every time at the end. <laughs> yeah, I remember that one being, being really good from when we watched it. I like a lot of season three of uh, Next Generation, which is what the episode we're reviewing is from as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh... Actually, that's the episode after the one we're reviewing. It is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why it stood out to me, because I really paid attention during this one, and then I was like, you know, watching quite heavily during the next few as well. This is a good batch of episodes, because I like Sins of the Father, the Klingon episode that's right after that as well. <laughs> so these three I, in a row. I also I mean, really like um, A Matter of Perspective, which is another series. Nice. One. Yes, yes. That's just before the one we're reviewing yeah. today. Yeah. <laughs> um, that one, Andy, was the uh, the sort of, uh, I suppose you could count as a murder mystery one, where they, they use the holodeck to reenact. Um... Oh, yes. I quite like that one. That one was kind of fun. I think I predicted who did it, though. Of course you bloody did. <laughs> you could be watching something for five minutes and you say, it was him. Like, How do you know that? He's oh, only been on screen oh, half a yes, second. And, yes, and then Deja Q was just before that, and I really liked yes. Deja Q, because that's the one where uh, Q is saying, or he's been like, ejected from the Q. Is it the Q continuum? Is that what it they're called? It is. Well, it's, well, like, it's like, I've been yes. ejected from the Q continuum. Can you take me in? That yeah, one was sort of kind stripped of his powers away. Yeah, I really liked that one because it kind of had a really fun dynamic between Picard and Q, who are obviously normally like enemies, and it was interesting seeing the their mind sort of battle, but in like a very interesting way. They almost kind of bonded a little bit. I liked that one a lot. Another of my favorites. But anyway, we've we've railroaded you, and we haven't got your other two, Phil. You said measure sorry, of one. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> and what were the other um, two? Yes, um, one that uh, always stands out to me, although I haven't watched it in a very long time, is Darmok. Oh, very good. Yes, that hasn't come um, up enough, really. That one's, uh, again, I don't want to give too much away 
because it's a couple of series down the road from where we are. Mm. Uh, but um, just it's it's one of those that seems like a very um, Roddenberry sort of thing of yeah cohesion, learning to work together despite your differences, which I really like. Hundred percent, and it's unique in that really sort of bizarre science fictiony way that you'd like. Wow, how did you think of this? Uh, which <laughs> yeah. a lot of a lot of yesterday's enterprise, I think, is is a bit like that at times as well. But yeah, it was cool to see that species return for a more comedic appearance in um, Lower Decks recently. Yeah, I need to watch Lower Decks more. I need to watch Lower Decks. Oh, you really should. It's very, very, very good. So, <laughs> what was your third episode anyway? Um, my third one. I can't narrow it down. Um, I. Maybe go with Chain of Command just because that is nice. something that whenever I think of Next Gen, I always think of Chain of Command, even though, again, I haven't watched it in, a, in, in quite a while now. Uh, but Very it's, powerful. Episode. It's one that's been burned into my mind since I was a kid. Uh, so, yeah, that, that one's always got to be on the list somewhere. Fair enough. This would probably be a, a, an odd choice, but I'm quite fond of Generations. I know a lot of people are a bit iffy on that one, but I, I, I well. quite like Generations. That's uh, that may well stand to reason with the episode we're reviewing for a reason that I will get into a little bit later. Mm. <laughs> but yes, um, so yeah, that's that's kind of cool. And we've got a, a fair summation, I think, of all of your tastes. And yes, it's next generation heavy, but uh, we pointed out that Andy also loves Voyager and Captain Janeway. So, and I love to hear about people being indoctrinated into Trek for one of a better word. So, I, I, I will say as well, I just remembered another random. I don't know why I remembered this one, and it, not because I thought it was like particularly amazing, just because it was very bizarre. Mm. was the one where Picard was kidnapped and, like, put in that prison with, like, like the four that. other prisoners, and they're yes. trying to work out oh. how to break out. But then there's the, the copy Picard who, like, yeah. gets all seductive and, like, tries to sleep with Beverly, and it was like, the fuck? <laughs> this is yeah, that's, episode. Uh, that's literally another of season three, Allegiance. I could just yeah. list season three amongst my favourites. Captain's Holiday's great, Tin Man, Hollow Pursuits, The Most Toys, Sarek. Best of Both Worlds, Part One, all Series Three, all in my like top Trek episodes. But uh, yeah, <laughs> so when people ask me what my favorite overall season is, it's Next Generation Season Three, <laughs> uh, without a doubt. But uh, yeah, that's cool. It, it does so, have some very good episodes in this series. Uh, just looking down the list now, I've brought it up. Is that, uh, I mean, you've listed off most of them anyway. But my <laughs> yeah. God, it is it is a a really strong series. It's a stacked series. I love the two Romulan ones as well. The Defector and the Enemy are also great. Um, yes. Anyway, just a love fest. That's fine. All of the episodes. No, no, that's cool. I mean, people can get a sense of our tastes, and they, they, I think you've proven that you both know what you're talking about. So that's good. Um, so we will, in in that vein, move to the next section, uh, which is the hit or miss section. Uh, and again, if you're not familiar, I basically just call out things from anywhere in the Trek franchise. My guests have no idea what they're going to be because I don't tell them in advance, except in one special case this week because Andy made a specific request. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, Sheldon knows exactly what it's going to be now, I bet. <laughs> oh, don't worry. It's, uh, it'll, it'll come up, don't worry. But uh, yeah, so moving on into what the hit or miss section is then. Uh, I'll try to keep it brief because I've got a lot of audience interaction and it's a big episode that we're talking about. So I'll only do probably like four or five. Um, but the first one on the list for today, quite appropriately, is Captain or Admiral Jean-Luc Picard, hit or miss. And uh, why don't we start with you, Andy? We'll go that way. <laughs> Absolutely a hit. Awesome, awesome. I, I, I don't think I can really say Michelle. She's fucking great. Well, you've mentioned a few of his highlights already. Measure of a Man was great that you enjoyed. And uh, I'm sure we'll get into his point, his part. Uh, yeah, in I, I, I really like how he, how he runs his crew and how fair he is and how, like, you know, 
morally sound he is. He never like. I mean, I guess it was kind of the whole point of Star Trek because it was very diverse for the time. Mm. But like how like he never judges people based on their like you know their creed or anything like that. It no. Tends, yeah, he's he's great. I really like Picard a lot. Fair enough. It, I, I, I think it says a lot about the fact that when uh, obviously Star Trek kind of got a revival, he was like one of the first, if not mm. like the first, like. Um, previous series character to be brought back for their own thing. Not quite the first, I would say Captain Pike was, but he was certainly the first actor playing the same character. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, oh, okay. What about you, Phil? I there's there's so much you can, but so much you don't need to say about John Luke Picard. He's <laughs> he, he's he's just wonderful. He is marvelous, um, and it's. I want to know what the hell Patrick Stewart is eating or drinking because the man just doesn't bloody age. It's, it's true, been said yeah. countless times, but he has not changed since the 80s. It's all the old grey. <laughs> that's what we're doing wrong. All these people with chamomile tea and stuff, Earl grey. That's the, that's the key to it, isn't it? But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll say the same. Picard has been my favourite captain for a long time. Uh, so absolute hit. But with the proviso that I do not love what they've done with him at the end of Picard season one the series. Uh, which I won't spoil in case anybody hasn't seen it, but I'm not overly fond of the way that's gone. But other than that, I just adore all seven seasons of Next Gen and the movies. And yeah, I, I wanted to be Patrick Stewart as Jean-Luc Picard for a while when I was a, a late teenager, just to be that classy and that cool. But uh, well, cool to me, probably not so much to anyone that wasn't a nerd. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, three big hits, I, I think. I, from I Picard. think Picard's coolness transcends nerdery. He, I think so. Yeah. He's on his own level. He is. You're absolutely right. And, uh, yeah, but, you know, I still wouldn't go into school drinking Earl Grey or whatever back in the day. <laughs> uh, number two on my list, and I'm not sure why this came up, but it was from um, the original series, uh, and this is the character of Scotty, hit or miss. Oh, I love Scotty. Um, he's, he's a definite hit for me. Uh, he just brightens up any scene that he's in. Um, and, you know, he's... He, he he mucks in. He, he actually without Scotty, the Enterprise would have fallen apart fifty times over. Absolutely. Um, no, Scotty's a definite hit. Awesome, awesome. And Andy, are you familiar enough with the uh, with the original Scotty? Uh, I don't think so. Although I do know that he never actually. It's never the words "beam me up, Scotty." Never actually said. No, not in those exact no. forms. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Just one of those things. Are you but familiar no, with? Are you familiar with the um, the Simon Pegg Scotty from the reboot? I was literally about to say, I just looked him up and I'm like, oh no, that is who Simon Pegg played. Uh, I am vaguely familiar with the Simon Pegg one because I'm pretty sure I've seen some of um, the more, like bits of the more recent Star Trek films, but I don't think I really know anything about the original one now. But okay. from what I vaguely remember, I didn't mind Simon Pegg in the role, that he seemed fine, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I don't really know if I can say it, Michelle, sorry. That's fine, that's fine. So, well, well, I'd say you'll probably think the character's a hit, but um, yeah, maybe maybe look up a little bit about him before you get to the episode Relics in the Next Generation Season 6, I believe. Oh, yes, <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> that will come up. But uh, yeah, anyway, yeah, I'd say hit, Scotty, definitely. He's uh, the, the famed miracle worker. And uh, yes, I, I love that even though he admits he multiplies his repairs by a factor of four to sound more like a genius, that's an ingenious within itself, if you ask me. So, Definitely. yeah, I think uh, he's he's a good guy, and uh, you know doesn't get enough credit for being second officer of the original Enterprise either. When uh, you think of some of the crap he had to put up with while Kirk and Spock were off gallivanting, 
But anyway. Yeah, I, I always forget he was second officer. Bloody hell. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because it's chief engineer and second officer. Bizarre. Uh, anyway, so number three on the list, um, Andy will like this, but it's not the one he requested. Number three on the list today is Guinan. Hit or miss. <laughs> I fucking love Guinan. <laughs> I mean, I, love it. I think part of that is a bit of a bias because I adore Whoopi Goldberg, but yeah, yeah I think Guinan's awesome. I love, I again, I don't know where her character ends up by the end of the series. I don't know if we find out more about, I assume we'll find out more about her as the series goes on, but if not, I don't really mind because I quite like that there's a lot of mystery around her character. But yeah, I, I love Guinan. I will say without spoilers that she's heavily featured in Star Trek Generations, the movie, when you reach it. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> You'll enjoy that one, I suspect. Yeah, and, uh, uh, Guinan's absolute hit. I love Guinan. Awesome. Do you know the story, by the way, out of curiosity, of how um, Whoopi Goldberg and Guinan ended up on the show? No, I don't think so. <laughs> it's a really cool story because it stems back from, um, like, Nichelle Nichols being in the original series, who played Uhura. Uh, and apparently, oh, Gold... we've we met her. Really? Yes, we have. Oh, you legends! Yeah, oh, now we, we met her. So jealous! I am so jealous. <laughs> what was she like? She was fabulous. fabulous. Everything you can imagine. She oh just man, that's good. To get. Class. Oh, such a glorious diva. Sweet. Cool. Uh, but yeah, so basically, to uh, to answer your the question I posed, uh, the reason she ended up on the show, Whoopi Goldberg herself approached like Gene Roddenberry and the makers of Next Gen because she was a huge fan of. Nichelle Nichols is a hurrah for sort of the good, the first really good like black representation and being an equal of the crew and stuff. Um, but obviously, Next Gen at this point had been running for half a series. So they were like, well, what, what do we do? Which is why randomly at the start of series two, they've built a bar and given her a random yeah. character. Because they were like, Ruby Globe wants to be on the show. We'll just invent a character for her. It doesn't matter. So, so I kind of love that story that she basically just got given a bar out of nowhere that wasn't in existence before. And uh, yeah, she's a cool character. She is kind of cool and mysterious. And there's lots more for you uh, if you're only up to around season three, four. There's way more to come that you'll enjoy, I'm sure. So. Oh, good. I quite, I quite like the fact that the Enterprise just randomly got a bar. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. It just it, it makes it feel more, I don't know, homely. I, I, I like that. Yeah, it's cool. That's 10 forwards a good uh, good little thing. But uh, yeah. So, uh, Phil, would you say hit or miss for Gainan? <laughs> oh, I mean, this is becoming a bit. Uh, sort of uh, predictable now, but she's a definite hit. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, this is probably going to be one of the more sycophantic ones because I'm I'm with you. But yeah, reasons for for you loving Gaiden are they the same? Uh probably. Um, there was one. I can't remember what episode it was from, but I was looking up things of Gaiden the other day. And there was just a picture of her in 10 forward with like a laser rifle or something just shooting mm. it into the air. And I can't remember what that's from, but I just oh. this this face of pure glee that she's pulling mm. while she's just shooting up into the air. That everything yeah. that Guinan does just makes me happy. <laughs> she's great. And those that when, fashion sense. Whether it is shooting into the air like a maniac or the, the more serious, somber sort of counsel that she gives to some of the different characters, she's oh yeah. She, she's, I mean, she's great. Even this is probably going to be a slight spoiler, but I won't get into it too much. But the scenes in Best of Both Worlds when she's counseling Riker, um, who's had to kind of step up a bit. And the reasons why and kind of how she gets into that, I think, uh, really powerful in what's already a really stacked kind of episode. Um, but that's, again, that's a little slightly off topic, but 
yeah, I agree. I think Guinan's just a great character, really. And I like that there's a little bit of mystery to her. She's very kind of, she's almost Doctor Who-like, I guess, in that way, that we never yeah. quite find fully out everything about her history or her species or anything. I mean, we know enough to get by, but there's still a, enough there that, like, how does she know all these things? How does she live so long? How does she sense different timelines? And, uh, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> very cool. Uh, so... The next thing on the list, then, for today, uh, because it was appropriate, is the Enterprise D. Is, is it a hit or a miss? What would you say? Um, I'd, I'd say it's a definite hit. I, I'm trying to think how best to word it. Uh, compared to some of the bridges of like the earlier class ships in the films, Mm. I, I just I just love how the Enterprise D looks. Um, maybe it's Quite more inside, nostalgia yeah. uh, coming through because I, I grew up more with TNG than any of the other series. Mm. Um, but just the look of that original bridge um, is is very very nice. And then the ship itself it, it's it's beautiful. Um, and they always get tingles whenever they do a source of separation. I was that's, just going to say that. That's wonderful. <laughs> awesome. Awesome stuff. Yeah, the bridge always reminded me a lot of a kind of 80s hotel lobby. It's very sort of comfortable <laughs> and carpeted, isn't it, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. With like, the sleek wood, lots of carpet. And just like, <laughs> yeah, like, you, you're checking in for, for the weekend? Certainly. Come on, Come on in, sir. <laughs> exactly. So what about you, Andy? Are you a fan of uh, the Enterprise D from Next Gen? Oh, absolutely. It's awesome. like iconic. Even as a kid, like not even seen much Star Trek, I knew what the Enterprise D was. Awesome. I, I also I don't I don't know if I prefer it to the Voyager ship. I don't know. I, mm. I have I have a big soft spot for the design for the Voyager ship, which I think is the one that we have on top of the shelves right next to me. We do, yeah. We've got a little model um, yeah. awesome. on the top of the shelves, surrounded by Daleks. Yeah, <laughs> and Waluigi for some reason. Well, you know, it's got to encounter some troubles. <laughs> that's no, really it, weird. It, it, no it, it is an absolute hit though definitely it's, it's iconic that's oh, a, yeah. that's the crossover that never quite got commissioned daleks in the delta quadrant <laughs> daleks and waluigi which is the weirder part of that <laughs> sentence to be honest i mean giant daleks is one thing but it kind of fits the theme a giant waluigi that's an episode i want to watch what the heck yeah. went down for that to a bit? It, it was a two-parter as well. You just saw this moustache sort of come out of the shadows at the end of episode one. Yeah. That's it. I was going to say what the happened noise. at the end of episode one is the Daleks are like exterminate, and then from the other side you just hear wham. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I agree with the both of you as well. Again, it's it's not a particularly divisive hit or miss section, but I love the Enterprise D, and I fully acknowledge it's entirely because it was the first kind of series that I fell in love with and the first ship I knew. Because objectively, it's not my favorite Starship design. Like I much prefer the more traditional, you know, original Enterprise type, you know, saucer drive section in the cells, and the Enterprise D is way more like one organic clump, I guess, for want of a better way to put it. But um, again, I always thought it was cool when the saucer separated and. Uh, yeah, it's just because I got that used to seeing it week on week and because I've got like massive wall decorations of the Enterprise D and stuff, because to me it is, it, it says Star Trek to me, that ship. So yeah, definite hit for me as well. And uh, yeah, kind of cool that they were massive, like city sized and had families on board and stuff as well. Just going off what you were saying, though, just what you mentioned there about how it's all kind of one sort of meshed together kind of organic thing rather than having the different sections. I think I prefer that. Hmm. 
Well, that's I, similar to the Voyager in that respect, because Voyager doesn't have like a separate drive section. No, Voyager is basically all on the same level, whereas the original is like it's very clearly got different defined sections. Yeah, yeah, uh, different strokes, isn't it, for different uh, for different folks, as they say? But yeah, I mean, I love every Starship, if I'm perfectly honest. But yeah, I do, uh, I do have a soft spot for the original design and the sort of simplicity of it. Anyway, you were going to want to get me to the next one because this is by special request of Andy <laughs> or Miss. Diana Troy, what would you think? So, I don't know what the fandom's like um, opinion of her overall is. I don't know the general consensus. I fucking love Diana Troy, if for nothing more than the fact that, at least to me, she is an absolute meme. <laughs> Fair enough. And that makes me so happy. Like, I think Phil's even mentioned that when we do watch Star Trek, he sort of sees my face because some I sometimes have really uh, like a really difficult time focusing a lot on some things like when I'm watching them. Like, uh, but he's noticed. I think you commented on it one of the last times we were watching that whenever I hear Diana Troy's on screen, I just sort of light up and watch just I'm like, what nugget of gold is she going to say next? Just I love her. I don't. I don't care if she's not a particularly good character. I just love I her. I think she's popular I think enough. She's, yeah. I, th I think she's an absolute meme, and I love it. Awesome, uh, Phil. I I struggle with this one because as a as a meme, as a thing to just observe, and sometimes recoil in wonder, sometimes in absolute terror. At uh, Diana Troy is a hit. Um, Otherwise, as a as a character that sometimes just doesn't make any sense, like, come on, you're supposed to be a, a mildly logical being. What are you doing, Gianna? <laughs> and there's, yeah. there's a lot of times where I, I've sat there and just stared at her and I was like, what? what? Why are you you're contributing nothing to the story here? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not true. She had the very important task of going, ooh, Captain, I sense they might be deceiving us. She was yeah. busy eating a lot of ice cream as well. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sure, though, in the, in the early seasons before they'd really figured her out, there was more than a few scenes where you'd get, like, the Ferengi or somebody on the view screen going, like, Picard, you scum, we will destroy you, and then cut to Troy going, Captain, I sense they're angry. <laughs> really? Did <laughs> <laughs> you pick that up, love? <laughs> did we end up watching the actual episode that that YouTube poop is from? I feel like we, we did, did watch it, yeah. yeah, I, thought, yeah. I thought we watched it, um, and I, I couldn't get through the ice cream scene without thinking of just the dub. I couldn't watch it. Because <laughs> all I could think when she was what, eating the ice cream was, I'm a big chocolate slut. I will link to it in the description. <laughs> it's a do. funny little so comedy, uh, comedy next gen sort of dubbed skit, but yeah, it's a bad lip reading. It's so good. Um, so. I will say as well. Um, I think one of one of the things that really made me just love her as a character is I think she provided probably my favorite ever scene that I've ever seen in Star Trek, which was when Data gets a beard. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that phenomenal moment where I'm pretty sure it's confirmed that she did genuinely break character and that's why you like she had to leave but it's the part where like um data's like oh, when I stroke the beard thusly do I not appear more intellectual and she just goes I'm sorry I have to go now goodbye <laughs> and then you hear her just pacing herself laughing as she leaves and it's so iconic and I love it Nice. Oh, it's moments like that that are great, yeah. I love but, the yeah. fact that even my friends who haven't seen Star Trek, like uh, one, of, one of my best friends, I don't think it's ever seen an episode of Star Trek. Even she quotes that scene. 
Because <laughs> I've shown it to her and we find it so funny. Oh, nice. And, uh, Phil, so what side did you come down on then, hit or miss at the end? Uh, for, uh, for the end? You know, just for all the weird and wonderful moments, she, she's got to be a, a somewhat anomalous hit. A so- soft hit, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. She started out and they didn't really know what to do and she was written either very superfluous or very kind of sexist. And again, it's that um, kind of, you, you know, you can tell the series started in the 80s because there's a therapist on the bridge, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense within itself. Because no yeah. other starships, as far as I'm aware, have a counselor like right next to the captain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was a little bit weird, but she definitely came into her own towards the last sort of couple of series. Um, thinking of specifically Face of the Enemy, I think, in series six, maybe. Uh, and then, yeah, to, yeah. Toward the end, as you say, and, and in the movies, she seems the to movies be definitely, yeah. far more fleshed out as a character. Yeah, yeah I, I will say I do completely agree. It's but like obviously we're in like series. I think we're like most of the way through series three now, and like I do completely agree that yes, uh, in the in the early seasons especially, they really don't know what to do with her. But mm. for some reason, that just kind of added to my enjoyment of her as a character. I guess even it's amusing. I, yeah. Even yeah, exactly, because I find it funny, even though I know it's not particularly like the best writing. Or they just like they just have this character that they never know what to do anything with. But for me personally, it just adds to the enjoyment because it means that whenever she does say something, it's usually something really stupid or mundane that I just get a laugh out of. That's fair enough. Yeah, I think I would say the same. She's a hit though because of, of all the things we said, and because I mean, she's the, one of the longest continuing characters. She did at least two or three Voyager appearances, at least one Enterprise appearance, one Picard. So, and uh, as, as anybody who heard the oh, Picard does she appear in Picard? She does, and as anybody who heard the review will know, I loved her appearance in that, so there you go. So I'm, I'm going to do one more then on the hit or miss section, and I'm going to take a punt that it's something that you might have seen from Voyager, um, Andy, but if not, you can always do a Google image search, and I'm going to say hit or miss the Delta Flyer. <laughs> what would you say? Ooh. Um, what are you hey. first, Phil, while Andy's clearly image searching that? <laughs> right. Ah... Uh, uh. It's a handy little thing. Mm. I always found the look of it to be a bit odd. I think I'm going to have to put that down as a miss because with, with that, I, I can see why it would be practical and necessary, but my, my brain always used to go with, why don't they just use the transporter? Mm. And well, I know there will be certain situations where that's not going to be... Yeah. Same reason that shows, really. I mean, uh, uh, fair enough. Uh, but just... For for that and just the look of the thing, it's it just looks like a strange arrowhead, which is kind of <laughs> cool. But I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna put it as a miss. I can see where you would say it's very different from sort of Starfleet design because it doesn't have any recognizable yeah like, nacelles or anything on it. It's just all one thing. It's just one <laughs> sort of little blob, sort of like triangular blob thing. And yeah. it would be it, it it's. It comes off as you say, not really Starfleet, some sort of maybe other alien um, sort of race or faction has cobbled this together, and then Starfleet has sort of latched on or just sort of taken it under their wing. Well, essentially, that's more or less what happened, except in, instead of a random alien, it was just Tom Paris cobbling something together. <laughs> yeah, going, yeah we'll, we'll use that. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Yeah. What about you, then, Andy? Have you had a chance to look up an image yet? <laughs> Uh, yes, I have. Thank you for calling me out like that. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, 
No, I, I, I don't think I, I don't think I've seen this yet. I will say, however, looking at pictures of it, don't lampoon me for saying this. Design-wise, it actually, if color scheme, like not included because it's completely different color. The design and the shape kind of reminds me of, um, I think it's Obi Wan's like ship from Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, the red, the, the red one. It kind oh, of looks oh, like okay. that. It's a similar kind of design, the sort of arrowhead thing. I think yeah. that was Obi Wan's ship. Um, yeah, I suppose so, if it had the fold-out wings, it would look a bit like a, a Jedi starfighter. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry for bringing uh, no, the Star Wars into this. I know, I, I, I know that's like a. That's fine. It's, no. it's heathenistic to do that. Um, no, no, no. I'm still a fan of uh, Star Wars. Not half as much, but yeah. <laughs> I, I will admit, I have seen way more Star Wars than I have Star Trek, but I think that's because I grew up with the films. So, mm. yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I can't really have an opinion on it. I can't say I'm particularly liking its design. I don't think it's bad. I just don't think it's particularly phenomenal. Uh, right. But yeah. That's well, in the interest of balance, I'm kind of pleased we've ended up with a miss, but uh, yeah, I, I love it. I think um, it's also reminiscent to me of the um, and I didn't even really watch this show, but the Raiders from Battlestar Galactica, um, in the way that they're kind of triangular and have attached engines. Um, See, that's but, what I was thinking. It doesn't seem like a Star Trek thing, or at least a Federation <laughs> thing, it seems like it's from a different show. Uh, yeah, perhaps, but I will say when you compare it to, for example, the ship from Picard. Uh, it, it makes it look like the most Starfleet thing in the world because that mess mm. is just straight <laughs> from one of the Wipeout games just into Star Trek. It doesn't belong there at all. Uh, but, uh, oh, that's a very fair point. Yeah, but um, yeah, anyway, I love the Delta Fire. I think it's it's kind of a cool idea, you know, Tom Paris loving hot rods and wanting to make a sort of a Federation shuttle into a kind of hot rod cool thing. Uh, and I like how it's all kind of compact and, and cool looking like that. Don't love that it has Borg elements in because Voyager was guilty of doing that a lot. So every time they had a crisis or something that needed patching up, it would oh, use Borg components. And that got old after a long, very short while. Sorry. Um, so I could have lived without that. And I really didn't see the point of them destroying the Delta Flyer, spoiler alert, at the end of season six. And then just having an identical one apparently rebuilt at the start of season seven. It was completely redundant. So, uh, yeah, I'm not fond of that plot idea either. But uh... Sorry about spoiling that one. You'll have to just forget it if you ever reach Voyager Season 6, I guess. Although not that it matters, <laughs> the grand scheme of things. But, yeah, uh, it'll, it'll be back again straight away. It's fine. It's so weird. But yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that's uh, enough of uh, the hit or miss. Then we'll move on this week. Uh, as I mentioned, we're going to be uh, beginning our analysis of the episode Yesterday's Enterprise from Season 3 of The Next Generation. And uh, just to give a quick synopsis, as I've been told I should, in case anyone hasn't seen the episode, uh, excuse me, essentially there is a rift in space and the Enterprise C arrives through it to meet the Enterprise D, its immediate successor. But this causes the timeline to change into one where the Federation is at a losing war with the Klingons and Picard and the Enterprise D crew, including a bizarrely resurrected Tasha Yar, have to decide whether or not to send the Enterprise C back through the rift to repair the timeline, but ultimately die, or whether to let them stay and face this dark timeline. So, <laughs> enough from the description. Uh, Andy, Phil, do you have any initial kind of spoiler-free thoughts about the episode Yesterday's Enterprise before we hit the notes? Uh, I'll let you go first, uh, chocolate slot. You can go. <laughs> Thank you. You're so gracious. Um, I, I'm trying to think of what I can word without it being too spoilery. I just think it's a very good story about ethics. Mm. Ethics 
lots of ethics and morality. Um, just the, the way that they handle what could have been a, a fairly, I mean, it is a kind of tricky subject. You know, you've got these two crews meeting out of time, um, and then there's a potential. Well, well, there is a conflict which should never have arisen because of mm. the situations, and then trying to find a way to overcome that. And it, I, I don't really want to say much more without well, wait, wait until we sort of get into things. But Absolutely. I just like how things develop and pro progress throughout it. Fair enough. And uh, what about you, Guinan's bitch? What was, what was your initial spoiler <laughs> people? <laughs> For the record, that's what we put our names as on uh, <laughs> on the, the uh, restream software that we use for recording. It's a really interesting sort of alternate universe story that handles its um, premise really well. Does honestly, I think the smart thing of uh, focusing more on sort of character dynamics and mm. the morality as opposed to like having loads of action. Uh, it's very nicely acted. I'd say it has plenty of action, especially for like 1991 or whatever as well, personally. But uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> uh, I see what you're I, saying, I, though. It focuses more on character than just like uh, battles. But I think the battle in, in it's pretty epic within itself. Um, oh, yeah. Well. I, I've made a note about that. But in yeah. general, I, I think, I almost think that Star Trek seems to do best when it's focusing more on dialogue and morality. Anyway. So, uh, yeah, as, as uh, usual, I'll probably go through this episode in kind of chronological order. If if you've been listening, you'll know what, uh, what that entails. And again, Andy and Phil, if you have any thoughts, opinions, or kind of things I've missed or skipped over, uh, feel free to jump in any time uh, and we'll go over it. But, therefore, we will start with the very beginning of the episode, which is a pre-credit scene, which is one of the rare couple of times that are in our timeline. Uh, and we start with Wolf. Which um, I always forget when I haven't rewatched this episode in a while that this is the episode that introduced the running joke that Worf loves prune juice because <laughs> because it's a warrior's drink and I love that that became such an ongoing joke that even like it's what he orders at DS Nine when he goes into Quark's bar <laughs> and people who hadn't watched this episode would have no idea what that joke's about but I uh, yeah I'm kind of fond of that ongoing thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, the, the, that's like the first thing that I've, I've got noted down here is just prune juice or warrior's drink. <laughs> Absolutely. Because it's brilliant. It's so weird and yet you can kind of see the logic in it as well. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But of course it's something that a Klingon like Worf is going gonna, is gonna to really take to. He's basically having a sex talk with Guinan as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. oh <laughs> yes. Yeah, isn't he talking so about, about like, human to women being too fragile? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, talking. I remember because when when that came up, Sarah, because Sarah was down when we watched it last night, she went, "All right, Wolf, calm down." Yeah, exactly. Uh, that was my thought as well. And it's so weird. He does the most creepy, friggin' sex offender laugh as well when Guinan's like, "Ooh, there's several women in the crew that could handle you," and he's like, "Ha ha 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 ha!" Dude, that's creepy. Cut it out, man. So we end up basically that he's called to the bridge. Uh, we see the, uh, through the 10 forward window that there's some kind of weird anomaly happening. And uh, Kaiden immediately just says no, which gives us an indication that something's going very weird. And then we see the, uh, the Ambassador Class Enterprise C emerging from a portal and get a really cool scene, which I noticed the direction of, which is basically as the timelines shift, you're on Picard and uh, you see Worf behind him initially. Then he blocks him, then things shift and we get into the new timeline and he looks behind him and it reveals that it's... Uh, the formerly deceased Tasha Yar behind him at the Yes, I, mean, I made a note that that was a really cool transition. It was I liked the way that that was edited. That was really well done. 
Yeah, it was fantastic. I loved that transition. One thing when I when I first watched it, as it's more obvious to me now, rewatching it because I know what's coming and what's going to happen. Mm. But when I when I first watched this, I was a little taken aback, which is possibly part of the intended effect, really, because that Tashi was just suddenly there and said, like, "Wait a minute, what the hell's going on?" Yeah, and uh, just but, yeah. The, the, the transition. Like now, when I'm watching it, it's it's quite noticeable. You see the lights dim to blue. The, mm. the, the uniforms have changed. Uh, but when I first watched it, maybe I just wasn't paying enough attention. Uh, but I remember yeah. just not fully grasping what had happened until like a good five, ten minutes into the episode. I can't even remember the first time I watched it because I would love to have remembered having that effect of like, what the heck, she's dead, kind of thing. But um, I never really had that moment. I think I'd probably read about the episode before I'd seen it or something, but. I would imagine that would be quite impactful for anybody that was watching for the first time. And, uh, oh yeah, yeah. It was it, it, that was a weird moment. Yeah. What are you doing enough. here? Yeah. Uh, but Tasha's one of the high points of the episode, as I'm sure I'll get more into though. But I just love she's uh, finally kind of given her dues in this episode, and uh, yeah, it's it's all about her at the end, isn't it? Really. But regardless yeah. of that, um, yeah, it's it's kind of nice. Immediately, you get the sense that Guinan knows there's been some kind of change as she looks around the um, ten forward, and it's now like military people with guns strapped to them and stuff, having the their rations or whatever in the bar. Uh, and then you cut straight from that to the shot of the Enterprise C, which I've said is kind of like the glory shot of it. It's the Starship porn shot, where you're kind of like really up close and you're seeing <laughs> what it looks like. Uh, so I am kind of uh, curious what both I of you I will say, I like how... I like how another way of distinguishing between the, t the the new timeline is that they have Guinan in basically the exact same outfit, but in a completely different colour. <laughs> I don't know yeah. that really She's blue me. now. Yeah. <laughs> well, because Guinan hasn't really changed all that much, being those, that kind of weird anomaly that can yeah. sense changes. But uh, yeah, to, uh, to my point, though, as I was saying, what, what are both of you guys' opinions on the Enterprise C as it appears in the episode? I love the way that, it, as in its appearance, or just how it, like, actually... No, no, no like, not like its plot function, just basically how it looks. Do you think it's a cool design, or...? I think it's a cool design. Yeah. I really like... I was going to say I, I really like how it actually shows up in the episode. I think that's mm. very well done. Yes. Uh, and I like yeah. that it's kind of slow and looming, because it kind of adds to the tension of, oh, God, what's going to happen? Yes, I agree. Awesome. And uh, what about you, Phil? Fan of the Enterprise C design, or not so much? I, no, I, I really like it. The only um, class of ship that I like more than the Enterprise D um, is, unfortunately, not the Enterprise C, but it's still beautiful, is an Excelsior class ship. Oh, nice. Fair I, enough. I do like an Excelsior, but uh, the, the C is very pretty, and just seeing it come out of the anomaly, that wormhole, uh, it, it's a very nice shot. It just looks mm. so pretty. Yeah, and uh, again, it's it's dotting a little bit ahead, but I sometimes do do that. I think you're absolutely right, Andy, the way that it moves kind of slowly, like it's lumbering at you, uh, clearly damaged. But even at the end when it's you're on the clock because the Klingons are attacking and it's moving towards the rift, and my sense of watching the episode is just like, move, move, and it's just <laughs> edging very slowly closer to the rift. And I'm like, come on, go faster. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's the whole point, isn't it? It's kind of this big lumbering beast of a thing that's obviously a bit more primitive. Uh, in terms of the design, I really like it um, as a kind of interim point between the Excelsior and the Galaxy class. I think it really works. But um, at the time and ever since, I just really didn't think we saw enough of it because it still has only ever appeared in this one episode. Uh, and there's so many other classes of ship that have had multiple appearances that it's like, why don't we see another Ambassador class ship? I want to see another one. <laughs> but uh, 
anyway, that's <laughs> I suppose that's just me being geeky a little bit, but regardless. Uh, talking about kind of changes in the timeline and stuff, I love the touch that immediately you start the episode instead of a captain's log with military log, combat date. <laughs> and, yeah, that was a nice uh, little yes. change. Yeah. Yeah. Because it gives you everything, and uh, even within that log, Picard saying we've uh, we've encountered the Enterprise C, immediate predecessor to this battleship, and I'm like, oof, you're not a battleship. That's that's jarring <laughs> in the way that um, even Gaiden explains it later. You know, it's it's not really supposed to be a warship. Um, but yeah, the, the the next scene that I've made a note of was a little bit iffy for me because it kind of got very talky and sciency, and it's where they're trying to explain the rift because I don't really think you needed to. Like, yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> Um, I like that they link it to kind of, oh, um, it was possibly formed because of the intensity of weapons kind of crossfire or something, and because the battle was that intense. Like, okay, fair enough, I can see what you were going with there, but at the same time, you don't really need to explain it. Just say, oh, it was a rift in time that opened up. We don't know why, but, you know, it happened. So Yeah, that yeah. happens a lot yeah, so in that's... science fiction. It never needs explaining. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. So I've made a note here because we get the directing credit that this episode uh, is directed by David Carson. Uh, he is a director who also directed the uh, DS9 pilot Emissary, which I talked about in a previous review. And as I mentioned in that review, he was also the man who directed Star Trek Generations, the theatrical film. So ah, <laughs> that might yes. explain a little bit of why Phil's a fan of the episode as well as that movie. <laughs> uh, I, I yeah. do also, um, just from a pure aesthetic point, um, and obviously it's, they're, they're going to look slightly different because it's an older ship, but the use of the older Starfleet's uh, yes, uniforms uniform. on the crew of the Enterprise C. I, I, they could have easily just gone with the same style of costumes that the, the crew on the DU are, are using, but mm. that they've gone with those older style costumes to really make that visual difference. Uh, it's, yeah. it's just a nice little touch for me. Yeah, I made a note of that later, but I will say it. I may as well say it now. That I agree. The uniforms being the ones from the movies, but just subtly changed enough because they've taken the kind of polo neck thing from underneath the jacket. And mm. um, it's obviously got the com badge where it would have just been like a, a badge that wouldn't have communications in it previously. Yeah. Um, so it's it's just slightly more advanced than the movies. But even the ship itself, when you see the bridge, it looked to me like it would totally have fit into the original series films, that bridge. So it seemed like it was like the previous iteration to whatever the Enterprise D is, where it's gone all, like I said, hotel lobby or whatever on the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it turns from a submarine to a hotel lobby very quickly. But yeah, it's very, uh, as somebody who watches the movies and enjoys them, it was nice to see that kind of little bit of visual continuity, I thought. Uh, so I agree with you on that one. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of like that um, there's a couple of times when the Enterprise D almost steps in it. Like when Picard says, um, this is Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Fet of A Federation Starship, because we know how that sentence would finish and that would just invite way more questions <laughs> like of the Starship Enterprise. What? That's, what, you know, what, but, no, what are you doing? Ah. <laughs> but then I love how Crusher, being the absolute idiot that she is, just completely disregards this, forgets about that problem and just goes, oh, I've got to get her back to the Enterprise. Crusher, you fool! <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, just just blow it, blow it all within the first five seconds. Why not? Exactly. Uh, yeah, and it's like any any other time she would be like, "I'm gonna get her back to sick bay." You know, that, that's all yeah. you need to say. It was as simple yeah. as that. <laughs> but, but oh, no, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> yeah, I do think the romance between Tasha and I'm sorry, I forgot the name of the lieutenant, Richard um, Castillo. <laughs> Thank you. I forgot the name of it during the episode uh, when I was writing the notes, so I just put the other lieutenant. Uh, but uh, I do think the romance between Tasha and the other lieutenant develops a bit too unrealistically fast, but 
it doesn't necessarily detract from the episode as it does only have 45 minutes to handle a lot of plot threads with different characters. Yeah, I think it does enough within the time that it's given because it's not like it's just one scene and it is a gradual... Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's gradual wearing down without one... That, that sounds wrong, but, like, she doesn't immediately, like, see him and go, ooh, the handsomest man in the world. It's kind of like they obviously bond and they develop a little bit of closeness and, uh, you know, even that point when I think it's Captain Garrett of the Enterprise C says, oh, you will have to liaise closely with Tactical. And she's like, that's me, sir. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 liaise very closely, I'll bet. But <laughs> so yeah, they kind of they are kind of stuck together and they are together permanently that whole time. So it makes a kind of sense and it gives you that good old fashioned doomed romance, which is always nice. I, I, I definitely don't have a problem with how it turns out, and obviously it kind of ends up being probably the main emotional core of the story. I mean, Tash is kind of the main mm. focal point of the episode, but um, yeah. just as a point, I just wanted to like mention that yeah, I do think it is um, not. But not like completely believable, but not in a way that like detracts from the episode at all. It still works for what it needs to do. Absolutely. Yeah. The next thing I have a bit of an issue with: if they are indeed a warship in the middle of like you know this really tense military type situation, why the heck is the bartender allowed just to wander onto the bridge? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because she's Guinan. Guinan can do what she likes. She just wanders. I mean, you are correct there. To be fair, but I do. I do love the idea. If like they're in, you know, the the fucking the Klingons attack, everything's like in peril. The ship's about to blow up, and Guinan just walks in with a tray of shots, like vodka, anyone? <laughs> well, that was the thing. I did have an issue with that because I was like, if if the timeline has altered like this, why is Ten Forward still there? But they kind of make it relatively clear in the episode that it's not a bar anymore. It's just like a rec room because they go to here for rations and emergency supplies, and yeah, kind of the painting on the back wall is now just literally. The, the registry of the ship stamped on the back, so it's not like it's inviting of an environment either. So I was like, okay, that makes kind of sense. Although it still does beg the question of why Guinan's on there in the first place. But, you know, if she wasn't... Yeah, I, I, I think that works. I think that works fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Awesome. Um, yeah, I, I, this next scene I absolutely adore where Guinan just sort of points out to Picard that things aren't right, like uniforms and the bridge and the fact that there's no children on board. And then Picard pointing out, well, there wouldn't be. We're at war. And her, her just saying, no, we're not. At least we're not supposed to be. And then um, this is not a ship of war. This is a ship of peace. Uh, and recognizing that the issues all arose when the old ship, the Enterprise C, arrived. So I was like, ah, nice. nice. Guy is yeah. just so good in this episode. I, well, I fucking love Guy. I would say, yeah. I mean, it comes up in another couple of scenes as well. But I think Patrick Stewart and Whoopi Goldberg are both outstanding in the scenes oh, that they get absolutely. together. Absolutely. Yes. I made a note <laughs> of that later. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving to the the sick bay scene, I thought was a little heavy-handed because it's basically just Captain Garrett giving you exposition, uh, but I don't really know how else you could have done that when she's explaining how oh, we were in a battle. It was Narendra Three, a Klingon post. We were, you know, um, we, we were outnumbered by Romulan warbirds, and then something happened, and we ended up here. And it was like, okay, I, I get you needed this, but it's kind of like an info dump at this point. Um, yeah, I agree, but I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing because it, it gets a lot of the exposition out of the way so they can start focusing on the more emotional side of the narrative that it seems to want to lean on more. Yeah, and it does actually function on the uh, in the respect that it, it's Picard says that he's concerned about the effect on the timeline if they return. And then Garrett points out the more pressing issue, which is, dude, if we return, we're dead. So, you know, don't worry about us having knowledge of the future because we're not going to last five minutes if we go back anyway. Um, which then basically pivots the episode to the, the key thing, which is, ah, so if we send them back, things might be better, but we're basically sentencing them to death. 
uh, you know, um, which it, it's kind of nice to have those stakes clarified for you. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Which is cool. I liked the scene between um, Captain Garrett and Dr. Crusher where they're clashing over, you know, captains always want to do too much and doctors always coddle their patients. And I was like, this is, to me, it's quite reminiscent of uh, McCoy and Kirk from the original McCoy series. Yeah, I, I got that noted there. Awesome. <laughs> the, the, the interactions were like a lot like McCoy and Kirk. Awesome. Yeah, I'm pleased to, yeah, it wasn't just me then. You picked up on that as well. I yeah. like Beverly. I like Beverly quite a lot. Hmm. Yeah, she uh, doesn't get a lot to do in this episode, but she's... And yeah, apart she, from, she doesn't. Like, she blowing, doesn't. Apart from blowing uh, the plot, I guess, at the very start. A couple of notes I do have that I uh, just want to uh, go over go just it. before we go through. Uh, I made a note that I really love the dark and gloomy atmosphere of the Enterprise C. Mm. I, I really like how that set works. I like how, like, almost dark and dis like distressed it looks. It just adds to the whole, like, vibe of what the story's trying to do. Yeah. Uh, um, I put... I, I think the acting is pretty good across the board. I made that note pretty early on. I think everyone like pulls their weight, like performance-wise. Um, and I also really like the fact because we have mentioned this now, so I'll just put it there. I really like the fact that the solution for the problem is like basically given to not just us as the audience, but the characters like fairly early on. Mm. But the story then smartly uses the rest of its runtime to like focus more on the emotional weight and the morality of the character's decisions. Yeah. Well, it never explicitly states that it would work either, which I think is kind of key, because it's like, if you send them back, Guinan is telling Picard, oh, it'll work, but we, even we as the audience, were like, well, how do you know this? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, they're leaving a lot up to chance. This is like, we've Absolutely. got a hunch that this might work. It yeah. could just go really badly, and then we're down one ship, and the Klingons are still on our ass. But <laughs> exactly, yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, even even when Jordy says we don't even know if we're alive or dead, like clearly it was a, a reference to T Tasha Yar, and it's designed so that the camera can then go do 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 and show you her face. But he's right; we don't know anything about what this other timeline is that they're trying to reset. So they could be anything could be happening. They could be in a worse war for all they know. <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of, it ultimately, I suppose, comes down to how much Picard trusts Guinan. And I love that because that is, again, that's the focal point of the episode and a lot of other episodes. And um, it's kind of good that he does show by the end that he absolutely trusts her, even in this weird time. Yeah, I really love the fact that Guinan kind of gets the spotlight a lot in this episode. Mm. Like, even though she's not as heavily featured as, say, Tasha is, mm. like, at the end of the day, she kind of is the core... Like alongside Tasha, she's kind of the core part of the narrative because you know she has kind of the answers. Yes, uh, yeah. and she's the one who sort of like negotiates with the characters and sort of helps guide them through their feelings about certain things, as we'll see later with both Picard and Tasha. Yeah, I think it's ingenious to point to to have that be a character who's the reason why you know of the other thing because it's my absolute favorite scene in the episode when Picard goes back and just says he can't like ask these people to go back and sentence them to death without being given more. And I think that's very kind of Jean-Luc Picard. I was and about to say that's very Picard. That's like exactly the sort of thing I would have expected him to say. Absolutely. And it's one of one of Patrick Stewart's many, many great line deliveries, but when uh, Guinan kind of says, I, I can't give you any more, it's all I've got, and he just goes, it's not good enough, damn it, not good enough. <laughs> and I do like that um, Guinan is the voice of, of kind of reason of, well, the war's already cost lives, uh, you know, and I've never imposed myself on you or anything, but I'm that sure about this. And you've got only my trust in you to help you decide, which is like, oh, the character moments there are just so perfect. <laughs> uh, and the fact that, yeah, I love that the argument basically, in a sense, neither one of them's wrong, which is the best kind of argument because you can't really, you can't feel 
like yeah, anyone. You, you can kind of see both sides of it. Yeah. So you're not like going away going, oh, Picard, you're being an unreasonable jerk. And you're not going away going, oh, Guinan, you know, give him more. Because you're like, yeah, this is a crap situation, but you're both right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I made the note that Whoopi and Patrick have like really great on-screen chemistry, especially oh, in like this this scene and then the one later where uh, they're in his office. So, yeah, they have amazing absolutely. chemistry together. And it's kind of weird how we've had that tense scene and then it's immediately afterwards that you see Guinan spying Tasha Yar and just the sense of like, Oh crap, she knows. <laughs> you know, because we the viewer are already one step ahead on this when we've as as Phil said, like with the start, we're like, Tasha Yar, where's she? I, I think that's one of the reasons why I, I mean I I really like Gannon's character anyway, as we've already covered, but in this episode in particular, I love the fact that it's really nice to have a character who for the like I mean, if if you think about it, she's the only character who is as on board or knows as much as we as the audience do. Yes. Like obviously she knows that Summit's fucked up, that the timeline's gone wrong. She knows that Tash is meant to be dead. And obviously, the only other people who know that are we as the audience. So it's kind of nice to have that kind of, like, have a character who is as aware as we are. It's yeah. like a really nice change. It's really nice. Yeah, I, yeah, I really a, like that. A little thing, but I like that character wise, you're not le left feeling that everyone was kind of hands behind their back march to their death because they, they point out that some of the Enterprise C crew want to go back even knowing that they might die. Yeah, because... that was a really nice touch. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, various reasons, you know, they didn't want to be out of time. They didn't think their family would recognise them or they didn't like this uh, world they were in or whatever. So, and um, related to that plot-wise, it's good that Picard then explains to the audience, you know, the war's going much worse than we're saying we're six months from surrender. This isn't, it's basically giving the audience the key that like, look, this isn't a timeline that we can just make the most of. This next scene, again, I have a slight bugbear about because one single bird of prey attacks them and then disappears. And I was like, for, yeah. plot, for plot reasons, that was purely just because you wanted to kill off Captain Garrett and it's so transparent. <laughs> it's like, eh. I will say, I do find, even the second time around watching it yesterday, I think I'd forgotten that she dies. So yesterday when we were rewatching, I was like, oh shit, she's dead. Yeah, they kind of try, they kind of try to explain that that's why Tasha going on board wouldn't be that weird because it's like well his, historically she was never supposed to be there but by the same token Captain Garrett would have been supposed to be there so they just swapped one woman for another and that was somehow like that balanced the temporal scales or whatever which you don't again you don't need I mean it's it's completely superfluous but it doesn't ruin the episode either so and I suppose yeah, it does I, give uh, you the hint of like how tense things are getting with the Klingons because they're attacking everywhere. So yeah, I did. I did find her death very shocking. I think it's kind of like, I mean, there may be more gruesome ones that I just don't know about yet because obviously I'm not as um, well versed in everything that happens as you two are. But like, I feel like the way she dies is quite gruesome. Captain Garrett, yeah, yeah. There's a, yeah. There's, yeah, I mean, there's there's worse, I guess, but. It's kind of weird how it's just like, yeah, a bit of shrapnel in the head, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, he's quite big lumps yeah. sticking out the forehead. <laughs> yeah, I did just make the note. I think Captain Garrett's death is a big surprise, but I do think it was a good way to sort of move the plot along a little bit because it starts it starts building the stakes up a bit more. Right, yeah, fair enough. Because ra rather than, obviously, like, the dialogue is, like, a probably the best aspect of this, like, the dialogue and the performance and the fact that it just focused so heavily on the character stuff, but it is nice that we have these moments of... Oh shit! Yeah, there is a Klingon war going on. Oh crap! That that mm. captain's now dead. Now shit! That that really puts things in more of a predicament, doesn't it? Yeah. I did think it was nice and eerie that Guinan like knows it's Tasha without looking. That was a bizarre moment when she's like, "Hello, Tasha," and she's got her back to her. Um, but I love the scene where 
um, you know, Tasha saying we we knew each other a long time. We weren't meant to know each other at all. You're supposed to be dead. And then you know, Tasha asking Guinan, her kind of sort of snippily saying, "I don't have alternate biographies of the crew." But then kind of breaking down with, "Well, I, I know it was an empty death and a death without purpose." And I was like, that moment almost brings me to manly tears. I won't lie, because having lived through that death, it's like, yep, it was crap. So it's great writing and um, and acting, but her kind of saying, you know, I've always known the risks that come with a Starfleet uniform. If I'm to die in one, I'd like my death to count for something. Because again, we as the audience get choked up because we're like, yes, give her actually a meaningful, you know, death in the plot line instead of just the worthless one we got, um, which is really nice. But just a triumph of dialogue, but I absolutely love the line, and it's it's hugely famous, but it's still great. Let's make sure history never forgets the name Enterprise. Come on, that's just cool. <laughs> yeah. And uh, as I've uh, kind of alluded to, I do think the battle, considering the low budget and the fact they're using actual models, I think the battle looks really well done, um, which is really cool. And <laughs> I love that this is probably, I think it might be the first time or maybe the second when we get the whole situation with engineering going to crap and the warp core about to breach and Jordy running around like a headless chicken. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. this, this happens entirely too often on the Enterprise D. But I was disappointed he didn't do his famous Indiana Jones roll under the closing door thing that he usually does. Yeah, which... I, was, I was expecting that. I was, yeah. I, I was like, what? what? No. Oh, Jordy, you you're not going to do your, your special role. <laughs> nice. But yeah, that's that's the only reason I watch Next Gen for, is to see Jordy do his special <laughs> little role. That's the only reason. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's again another reason why you love generations. Clearly, <laughs> yes. I'm just gonna very quickly do because I only have a few notes left, and we've pretty much covered this. Well, we've covered the, the scenes anyway, basically. Sure. But yeah, I, yeah, the, yeah. Only, the only other notes I have that I put uh, the scene between Tasha and Picard is really touching and a lovely bit of closure for her as a character, seeing her take a st taking a stand and deciding her own fate and how and choosing how she dies is emotional but very well earned by uh, by the end. Yeah. Uh, I really like that. And I put, uh, I love the uh, the nice long action scene. Uh, I really like the battle scene. It's not, like you said, it's very well done. It's a nice way to sort of ramp up the tension to the end and sort of, you know, get like build things up for, you know, hoping for the Enterprise C to actually make it mm -hmm. um, to the wormhole, which obviously it does. Uh, yes, and then my last note was, Quite fittingly, my last note was, there's a surprising lack of Deanna Troy in this episode. Well, I did make a note of that, and I said it's not surprising that Deanna Troy isn't there, because why would a warship have a counsellor on board? So it makes sense yeah. she wouldn't be in the other timeline. But yeah, I did the same note. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I thought it was uh, it's genius to kind of have Worf uh, and Tasha kind of interchange like that, and uh, I do like that they kind of at the very end, Guinan's the one checking that everything's fine, and as much as it's cheesy, that kind of sweet touch of, tell me about Tasha Yar. But, again, on a very geeky spot type notice, unfortunately there is a bit of a wardrobe malfunction at the end of the episode, because when Guinan's talking to Jory, he's still wearing the cuffs of the uniform from the alternate timeline, <laughs> so, oh. which they clearly hadn't changed back, which is like, whoops. <laughs> One bit um, I really liked was just before that, before the Enterprise C went through the rift, and mm. the Klingons were signalling, trying trying to get the Enterprise D to surrender. Yes, the car just looks at him and is like, "That'll be the day." Yes, and, he, and, then, and then he does the really cool parkour move over shot. the desk. Yeah, he just, yeah, he just vaults the <laughs> the, um, the thing and takes uh, takes command of the um, of the phasers. Of tactical, and yeah, because Riker had been killed by that. Yeah, Riker gets freaking blasted. <laughs> Poor Will. <laughs> oh, well. They shouldn't have told him to fire at Will. But, um, bum. <laughs> <laughs> but that's enough, then. If you don't have any more notes, Phil, uh, no? Uh, no, no. I, uh, I am good. 
Great, great. So I'll move to the very next section then, which I've kind of um, I've briefly mentioned to Andy, and it's basically a section that I call Gene's vision, which is basically my way of kind of pointing out that even when people claim that there are episodes of Star Trek that don't fit this great ideology, there's always moments you can find that do. And again, we've touched on a lot of them, but if you guys had to kind of conceptualize, what would you see are the most kind of Trek ideology moments and themes and things from this episode? I mean, considering I wasn't exactly sure what you meant when you first said this to me, I'm going to let you <laughs> you guys go first, and then I'll once I kind of know what we're doing, I'll join in. <laughs> right, right. Well, I just think we've kind of already touched on it, but like, I suppose in a in a grand sense, the idea of the Enterprise being a ship of peace, not war, uh, and that being kind of a wrong time is very like you know, it's it we're from a more noble thing, and even as you hinted, the, the Klingons being all about you know honor, uh, and that being enough to even prevent a war. Is kind of very cool it's all about that kind of thing and again the heroic legacy of the, the name enterprise is something that shines through and uh yeah the fact that they're even debating like should we send these people back uh, it's not just a matter of look just go back <laughs> get out of here and um on a sort of more real worldy type level um it's kind of noticeable that this is not only a female captain but the first female captain of a starship enterprise um and nobody yeah. makes a big deal of it which is kind of cool <laughs> so yeah, that was what I kind of uh, picked up from anyway. But what about you guys? Anything at all or that I haven't um, touched on? I, was, I mean, maybe this is just coming from like a feminist standpoint, but I really like the fact that kind of the core three or three of the core four like characters for the story are like are women, yes. but also like a, a really like strong, like really well like written black characters, like like black woman. Yes, so it's really nice as well. Uh, the fact that, like, obviously you've got Tasha, you've got uh, Guinan, and then you've got Garrett, who are kind of, like, three of the four main, like, anchors for the story is really nice. Yeah, and then and never... also, this is such a really weird thing. I think, if I can remember what it is actually called, I think it's called the... Is it Bechdel Test? Yes. But, like, yeah. the, fa the fact that... Um, I don't think literally any of the... Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Tasha does a little bit when it comes to she's talking about the other lieutenant, but for the yeah. most part, like the female characters, very, very rarely talk about like anything to do with romance or men. In fact, the only scene apart from obviously Tasha's romance with the lieutenant, the only character who really has any comments about you know trying to find a a partner is is Worf. Funnily yeah. enough, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. And I think the women are never really talked down to or regarded as lesser than. And even no, Tasha. Which I really like. I really even like the Tasha fact that when, they're kind of on even standing. Absolutely. And even Tasha, when, yes, you've got that kind of cheesy, doomed romance as a potential motivation, she kind of makes clear to Picard that's not why she's doing it. It's because she wants to have her death be more meaningful than it would otherwise have been. Because um, it's not like she's going to live happily ever after with this guy at the end of the day, anyway. So. Yeah, because they're going to cross <laughs> the timeline and they're going to die. Exactly. Yeah. So. Awesome. And what about you, Phil? Did you pick up on any uh, things along those lines? Yes. I mean, you've both more or less covered what I was uh, thinking anyway, but the, um, the the focus on the, the characters, each one having their own moment to shine and yes. all of them having that, uh, well, multiple moments of uh, cohesion where they all come together and work together for the greater good, even if they don't really know or understand, they just have to take a... Uh, essentially a, a leap of faith and trust that what they're doing is going to be the right course of action to be better for everyone, not just uh, for them there and then, but for the future that yes. has been erased. Um, yeah. So I, I really like that they slowly work 
to 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 realize that yeah because it is kind of a microcosm because star trek is basically always work towards having a better world and in this way they're basically saying uh you can literally by doing this action and sending them back have a better world appear yeah, out of you nowhere, can make you know? that better world it can just become just by you doing this yes and it'll manifest absolutely you agree yeah uh, awesome. So what I'll do now then, um, I, we will go through our conclusions and our scores out of five Starfleet Deltas, the little com badges, uh, and I will start with you, Andy. Uh, let me just get my notes up. So I put, conclusion, uh, one of the best episodes of Star Trek that I've seen so far and easily one of the most memorable for me. Yesterday's Enterprise is a thoroughly entertaining and enjoyable episode of The Next Generation. It was a lovely change to see Guinan take centre stage and the character developed well enough that even though they're only around for this one episode, I genuinely felt empathy and sadness for the Enterprise C crew and their predicaments. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also love uh, that the conclusion basically centres around Picard's trust in Guinan. Mm-hmm. And whether or not he does trust her enough to, I, I this isn't written. This is just a bit I'm adding in. But I, I love that that kind of becomes like an emotional like uh, center point for the episode of Picard place yeah. like proving that he has this much trust in Guinan to like trust her judgment and actually send these people to like back through the timeline, even though they don't actually know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just to round it off, uh, the last bit is. Uh, Overall, I can absolutely see why it's considered one of the great, easily five latter star five five star fleet deltas. Excellent. Delta badges, sorry. <laughs> deltas is good, yeah, good, good. Uh, so, Phil, what about your conclusion and score then? <laughs> uh, so, I have so much to say about this that I'm going to try and keep it as brief as I can. That's fine, go for um, it. But uh, I particularly like how, um, even though Picard, especially in this war timeline that we see him in uh, he is at the top but he's still not afraid to step back uh, when mm. he needs to yeah. um, and listen to those around him when it's most important for him to be taking the advice the counsel of, of those around him instead of just barreling forward and saying no I'm the top, I'm in charge, we listen to me uh, he takes on that more empathetic role of not only empathising with the crew of the Enterprise C and Captain Garrett, but also his own crew and Guinan and trying his doesn't maybe work as best as he initially hoped, but trying to bring everyone together yeah. in that sort of again that sort of unity, that cohesion uh, between the two, which mm. is I, I just think is wonderful. Um, and then obviously getting Tasha Yar to actually have a a meaningful send off uh, yes. this time uh is a, a, an excellent part of this episode um because she was a great character and she was bloody robbed with her yeah. her crappy death uh, earlier in the series uh, so this at least gives her somewhat of a meaningful and impactful send-off um and all in all i've got to agree with andy though it's it's a five out of five awesome uh, fantastic. Well, I'll give my conclusion and score then. <laughs> I'll just say that I said it's just a pitch-perfect episode of Star Trek, heck, of sci-fi television. Uh, absolutely ingenious ideas played out with impact and resonance. The characters still get a chance to shine, even in a complex, mind-bending time travel plot. Patrick Stewart is outstanding, Whoopi Goldberg, Jonathan Frakes, uh, but the highlight is Denise Crosby's Lieutenant Yar finally getting the attention and the send-off that she deserved. 
Uh, it's obviously a geeky treat to see the Enterprise C and learning of the importance of another ship called Enterprise, which holds extra weight that the script takes full advantage of. Uh, it's a tight 45 minute that's minutes that fits in an incredible amount and impresses me on a virtually scene-to-scene -scene basis. Ultimately, it's a story about how heroism is key and things like nobility and empathy could eventually prevent things even as horrific as war. Uh, there's never been a neater summation of Star Trek than that for me. Uh, history definitely won't forget the name Enterprise. And I would have also given it five Starfleet Deltas out of five. So apologies if we sounded sycophantic, but that makes the average really easy to work out for me, which would naturally be a five. The is that first, the highest scoring episode so far? That is the first perfect, entirely bang-on five score that we've had. And it's normally such I only a have good two, episode! Well, normally I only have two guests. The closest we've got was an episode of Lower Decks that was previously topped with 4.75. Um, so, yeah, this is definitely, I think, going to be the winner of this, this season overall and uh, will definitely be number one I on mean, the league. It is, it is such a good episode. It is, it is. And if you bear with me, I'll probably need another, like, ten minutes because I got a lot of audience interaction to this one, uh, which is weird because last week nobody replied and this week I had buckets, but I wanted to get through as much of it as but I how, can. How because... do you mean my audience interaction? I basically put out a tweet and say, what are your thoughts on the episode yesterday's Enterprise? And oh, oh okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> So, yeah, this is the section that I call subspace communications, which is just the messages that people sent me on social media and stuff. So, again, I ask your thoughts on Star, on Star Trek Next Gen Yesterday's Enterprise. Uh, and, again, I'll try and be quick, so apologies for that. But the first one I have here is from at Agent Pumpkin, who says, I think it's a great story. I'd have preferred it being a double episode with more background, etc. But, yeah, it's one of my favorites. Uh, at Skimmerad says, yep, great episode. The only downside, and it's not the fault of this episode, is that I don't really like what happens to Tasha. Spoiler alert, and we'll go any further with that. Uh, I liked what little we got to see of the Enterprise C and its crew, and for once I thought the hard choice really did seem convincing. Fair enough. Uh, at sci-fi fan 26502583 says, Oof, uh, brilliant, and had it not been partly responsible for TNG's success and reaching its own movie era, could have made a great movie featuring both the original series and next-gen crews. Fair enough. Uh, at Pappy1701 says, normally I don't like time travel episodes that reset at the end, looking at you, Voyager, but this one is the exception. The alternate characterizations were well done. The implications of the sea jumping back were significant, and Crosby got a much better send-off in this one. We all agree with that as well. At Green Walker here says, it's so good that it would have deserved to be two episodes. I like what-if scenarios in general, and this is one of the best. At Series Dog Pal says, I personally love Yesterday's Enterprise. Who doesn't like to muse the road not taken? Agreed. Uh, at Ian Kerr CBS says, Excellent episode, maybe landmark quality, proper sci fi with action, drama, stakes, and a sneaky way of bringing back Tasha Yar. Agreed. Uh, at Geek Doc 68 says, I think it was one of the episodes in which TNG really came into its own, and the Enterprise C was a really great ship that we unfortunately never saw any more of. And, of course, they gave Tasha Yar a much better and worthier death than being zapped by a black pudding. So, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to put it, I guess. Um, at Troy G65, what I love most about the episode is that Picard trusts Guinan in this reality as well as the Prime one, even when he has no reason to. Great episode, and never let history forget the name Enterprise. Uh, at Derryman1 says, it gave us a second chance with Tasha, giving her a much better death and allowing Denise to return in future episodes, so I liked it for that, though I wasn't fond of the idea of a militant Starfleet. Which I think was kind of the point, but... Uh, at Eleniana says, I'm a huge Next Gen fan. This is a good episode, but overall it's not one of my favourites. So I'm not quite sure why it's so revered. A rare dissenting voice there, but okay. Um, at Thoron Couch says, set decoration and lighting made it feel like an entirely different ship. 
The actors are subtly different in their portrayals. Picard especially feels changed because of the war. The story is tight and really moves. The end is exciting, and it's the best use of Tasha in the series. A plus. Great. Uh, Chris at Shelf Nerds, who was my guest just last week, says, This is simply a masterpiece of direction, cinematography, character, and theme. Its strength is in the questions it asks about what kind of death is a good death and how it positions sacrificial death as heroic and worthy to choose. It's a gloriously grim departure from the norm. At Dr. Beverly Falls says, profoundly moving every single time I watch it. The chemistry between Tasha and Richard is wow. Strong female characters. And again, let's make sure history never forgets the name Enterprise. Uh, at Chase March says, I thought it was great. One of the stronger episodes for sure. The series never quite lived up to the premise, though, of a family-driven starship with no bridge crew having a family on board. Okay. Uh, at Alan Solara says, it is actually logically the dumbest episode of the entire series. Uh, not quite sure about that. I did ask for clarification on that one, but didn't get it. So regardless, uh, at Jock Glasgow just says again, one of the all time greats and did justice to Tasha Yar. And finally, at Binary Hands, one says, all I will say is the best next gen episodes are as good, if not better than the next generation films. Whew, that was a long section, but we're through it now. So it just remains for me to say thank you so much to my friends, Andy and Phil for joining me here today. And uh, would you like to give sort of the social social media details and uh, details of where people can find you and of your other famous podcast? Um, all I would like to say is uh, I have been Jonathan Frakes. And leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> so Phil will know why I said that. You might not. You might do actually. So a few weeks ago, Sarah introduced us to a TV show, and I'm going to try and remember the name of it. But Jonathan Frakes hosts it. Yep, I know the one. Is it the, it's like the, is this story true or false? It's like Unsolved Mysteries or something, isn't Unsolved it? Mysteries, that's it. She introduced us to that and we watched a couple of episodes and at the end of each one, for some reason it absolutely just made me piss myself laughing every time he just, he didn't even say goodbye, he'd just go, I have been Jonathan Frakes and then turned and walked off set and it, <laughs> it, it amused me that much that I have been doing it myself. Jonathan Frakes like has places to weeks. be. <laughs> like to the point, sometimes I will just leave a room and I'll just go, I've been Jonathan Frakes, and then walk out of the room. I love Phil's logic. It's Jonathan Frakes. He's got places to be. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. He's a busy man. He's got movies to direct, damn it. He's got to direct movies the Disney to direct more mysteries to unsolve. He's <laughs> got some of those are bad out, mate. Oh, dear. But yeah, so Andy, where can people find you? <laughs> Uh, you can find me primarily at the moment on the We Pay For Your Flow podcast that I do with uh, with Phil here and our friend Sarah. You can find that on YouTube and Spotify, just at We Pay For Your Flow. It's a very silly podcast. It's kind of improv comedy. Uh, we do have like planned sections, but none of it's like scripted, so it's all very just sort of off the cuff. We think it's funny. We think it's fun. It's just us having a laugh, and if you kind of fancy that, come along. I'm not. I will say it's definitely not for. For younger people, we're very vulgar and we don't really give a shit about filtering that because <laughs> that's just our humour. You'll hear talk about Sarah's vagina way more than you'd think considering we're a gay couple. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's... Um, if I ever end up actually getting back around to doing it, you can find me on Twitch at Kemp Players if I ever decide to do that again, which I hopefully will. Uh, you can also find me just on my personal YouTube channel, Andrew Kemp, where I'm hoping to do some uh, new song covers primarily in celebration of no time to die finally coming out uh, uh i might be doing i might be planning on doing a couple of bond songs nice uh, that's about it for me and and phil yes i am phil <laughs> master of darkness <laughs> <laughs>
if if you feel so inclined as to pay attention to any of the random ramblings that I have to throw out into the world, uh, you can find me at Crazy Pilf on pretty much anything. Just look for the uh, green, slightly smirking dinosaur thing, and that would be me. Um, particularly on Twitter, I am usually lurking, not really interacting much, and occasionally throwing out random pictures of Kylie Minogue. <laughs> Andy, did uh, did you give your Twitter address? Do you mind if I, I pass it across? Or? Oh, it's just... Uh... I need to double check. I think it's just Andy Kemp 1996. It's I think it's Andy just Kemp that. 1996. Yeah, 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 yeah. If uh, you're fine with me passing it on, it'll be in the description anyway. Oh, so yeah, that, that's fine. Check I don't mind. Um, awesome. And I will uh, leave a link to my Spotify and to uh, We Pay For Your Flow podcast, YouTube and Spotify in the description. Uh, I will so, say, yeah. if you if you can watch it on YouTube, it's probably better on YouTube just because Phil... Oh, it is for Phil's editing. Phil is our amazing editor, and he puts a lot of visual gags in there that you won't get on the on the Spotify. But if you yeah. just want to listen, Spotify works just as well. Yes, absolutely. So uh, YouTube yeah. is the preferred format for whatever the hell our podcast is. <laughs> it's a lot of fun, and it's one of those things that defies description. But I thoroughly recommend checking it out because as soon as you've been listening for like half an hour, you'll immediately get what's going on, and you'll be hooked if you're anything like me. In Mike's own words, the theme song will get stuck in your head for oh, days. Yeah. The theme song is an earworm and a half. Thanks again for joining me so much, guys. I'm definitely going to have to have you guys on again because was, this was great and I love talking Trek. I really enjoyed friends, it. So. Yeah, I hope you guys did. Awesome. Yeah, thank you very much. And uh, join me next week when I will be joined by special guest Dominic G. Martin. Uh, quite Yay! a famous guest. And uh, we will be discussing the Voyager episode, Message in a Bottle. Uh, so do tune in for that. And in the meantime, remember, we are Starfleet. Live long and prosper.